This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey, it's Dale Jr. for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. Co-host Mike Davis. Mike. What's up? We got a good show today. I hope. Yeah, every show's been good. Yeah, they have been good this year. Last couple weeks have been really good, but I think this is going to rank right up there with it. Yeah, you know, I want to ask, I want to know what happened to my Talladega this show. I want to know, and I want you to tell me, because you were Talladega master, but I want to know what happened to my Talladega, because we had a, the, the eventual winner led the final 17 laps. That's not my Talladega, Dale. I want last to see time. a dramatic last lap pass like Spencer Gallagher did, and these cup guys didn't even act like they wanted to win the race, and plus... They let Joey Logano win the race. Who wants Joey Logano to win the race? Hey, I'm right here. Oh, I'm sitting oh. right here. Oh, Joey's here. There's Dale. one guy that wanted to win the race at least. We know that. Joey's. Oh, <laughs> you know what? This is awkward. Let's just let's get to the show. <laughs> Some say this track is haunted. It was built on an old Creek Indian burial ground. A medicine man supposedly put a curse on the place. It has been plagued by strange occurrences. Well, the pace car, we understand, has been stolen. The uh, officials are not driving this thing. Isaac said he was quitting because a voice told him to park. A whole pack of cars went into that cloud of dust, and no one is coming out into the third turn. They know about the action that comes from 190 mile per hour inches of five racing here. Uh-oh, look out! At 195 miles per hour, and with no visibility whatsoever, it was a nightmare. The Dale Jr. download starts now. A little freaky. Freaky. I, you know what, though? Talladega was, actually, if we're being serious, it was a little crazy this weekend, as it usually is. Talladega weekend has a, a lot of surprises. Friday was a big practice crash. Scary yeah. practice crash. Mm-hmm. Saturday, it was really cool to see Spencer Gallagher go, you know, make that pass and then hold them off on the last uh, last lap to win the Xfinity Series race. Sunday, I don't know if I've seen as many pit road speeding penalties as I saw. Uh, you had, you know, like I said, Joey, the gentleman to your left right now, driver of the number 22. Gentleman, thank Pinsky, you. Pinsky, <laughs> racing forward. Joey did such an incredible job blocking and holding them off in the last lap. So, Dale... By the way, the the gentleman here uh, has become quite the plate racer. That was his fourth restrictor plate win. Yeah, I'm I'm uh I th- I've been impressed. I picked him as one of the guys I was going to watch this weekend for several reasons because obviously he's in great equipment. The Fords all across the board have been fast, but the Penske Fords have been fast for quite a few years, and Joey's won his share of races at the plate tracks. He has a great spot or two with TJ Majors this year. We'll talk about TJ a little bit longer, give Joey a little bit of uh, opportunity to explain what TJ brings to the table. The other thing I like about Joey is he sort of dictates the pace of the field. He dictates the energy in the draft. He's really aggressive, whether he's blocking to control his position or he's fighting for every position. Because I've understood that I do better in plate races when I contend every single spot. If I'm racing and I'm a little passive and okay with maybe losing this position or not, you know, not really aggressive to block and hold to and maintain what I have, sometimes I do better when I'm when I can test every single lap. Yeah. And I see Joey races that way. That not only keeps him toward the front because obviously he's defending his position more than most people, but he he can sometimes single-handedly dictate the energy of the draft. 
And if he's as aggressive as he is, it makes other guys sort of have to be that way. First thing I wanted to get to, Joey, is you've been through a lot in your career, a lot of changes. Right now, man, you got some great stability, not only in your professional life, but in your personal life. But going back to the change from Joe Gibbs Racing to Penske, what did that whole experience teach you? Well, I learned a lot, you know, before I got to Penske on uh, a lot of what not to do and on a lot of different situations. You know, I came into the sport, um, you know, I got the token slice bread on me and, and you have all this <laughs> hype and you're like, right, okay, you know, and you go with it. And you see a lot of young guys even today with that same hype that's on them uh, with some of the, the focus on the younger uh, generation of drivers coming in. And it's a lot of pressure, and I wasn't quite ready. <laughs> you know, I had six or seven Xfinity races under my belt before my first cup race. Wow, that's not a lot. I was 18 years old. I mean, I don't regret the decision because I learned a lot from those mistakes, and I think mistakes are a great opportunity a lot of times as long as you learn from them and don't have them again. Uh, and I made a lot of them, you know, the first few years of my career from the way I handled situations on the racetrack off the racetrack. Um, I didn't know what I needed in my race car. <laughs> I didn't know how to go fast. Uh, you know, I, I was used to just jumping in a car and winning, you know, up through the ranks. And then when you get in the top level, uh, you know how it is. Everybody was is so good. Like these guys are the best, yeah. um, you know, and that was kind of the slap in the face for me. And, you know, trying to figure out how to race and how to win uh, again, you know, and, and somewhat kind of learn how to lose because I didn't ever have that before. Um, so I kind of went through that process a lot and kind of ran out of time really at JGR to where they were going to have to make a change. I understood it. It's, you know, we're winning, you know, if you're not winning, it's a, it's a, you know, performance sport. If you don't, if you don't perform, you're out and as it should be, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it kind of got to the point that, you know, we had to split ways, got an amazing opportunity though. What a second chance I had with Roger Penske, uh, right there. That was, uh, that was a godsend for sure. Um, to be able to jump in the 22, they needed some stability, um, uh, which I felt like I was able to bring that, um, you know, they, they, uh, kind of went through a, a few years of different drivers and crazy things happening. And, um, you know, was able to kind of jump in there with, with Shell and, and with Roger and Todd Gordon. And, uh, thanks to Brad, Brad helped me a lot to get into that ride. And I was able to take a lot of what I learned at JGR and have a fresh start at Penske. You know, some of the problems I had at JGR was I started there when I was 15 years old, and it's hard for people to look at you differently than a 15-year-old after a few years, right? And so I get to walk into, you know, Penske, I think I was 21 or 22, Um, but I had years under my belt at least, and I knew what I wanted in my race car. I won some Xfinity races. I won a couple cup races at the time, and you kind of make it your team and uh and move on from there and, and together we've grown a lot um we've had a great shot at a couple championships um we've gone through a slump as uh, recently and and yesterday we finally break out of that yeah. uh which was amazing felt great <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's uh that's what i really wanted to ask you is that i remember in 2005 when dale didn't make the playoff for the first time and up until that point we thought it is easy to make this playoff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like we had the world uh, right where we wanted it, and then that uh, awakening where, like, wait, we just missed the playoff. It was the same year Jeff Gordon didn't make the playoffs. I mean, the mm-hmm. ch- then it was called the chase. I remember what that felt like. What did it feel like for you last year? Uh, probably the same. <laughs> and what was that? <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not really. You know, it, it's uh, you get a little arrogant, a little cocky, assuming that you will make 
the playoffs, especially after you finish second right. in the points at the end of the year, the year before, you're like making the playoffs. That's going to be the easy part. You right. know, you kind of think, yeah. how do we win the championship? And, you know, all of a sudden we found ourselves, you know, we got in a few crashes. We had our penalty. We All of a sudden it's like, oh, we're, we're kind of in trouble. And then the guys we were racing to get in started running really well. And we weren't making up the, the difference that we needed to. We weren't winning uh, like we needed to, to to break into. And, and you had some, you know, kind of one-off winners that, that – don't win very often. Right. Jump in there, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, we're not <laughs> going to make it harder." Yeah. You know, and and uh, we we put ourselves in that box, and you know, it's that's our own doing. You know, and uh, we learned a lot from it. And you know, I think something that that makes us stronger from that though is that we stuck together. You know, that was a great opportunity for us to, you know, implode from the inside out, and uh, you know, start to point fingers at each other and why our cars aren't fast and why is this and that. And uh, we stuck together as as a race team. Um, for the majority uh, of us and, and be able to, uh, you know, kind of start to slowly pick away at it. And, you know, at the end of last year, we started to run a little bit better. We get some top 10s, squeak out a top five every now and again. And, you know, this year we've been consistent and we've been running towards the front. In Richmond, we, you know, won a couple stages and then Talladega uh, obviously getting the win. So, um, you know, it feels good to be back, you know, <laughs> driving across that start-finish line yesterday. It felt like I won the Daytona 500 again. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank God. Like, it's... It's just uh, I think the first thing I said is we're back because that's it really it just feels that, uh, you know, a long slump like that. It's been uh, one day short of a year since our last win, Ooh. which is kind of funny. One yeah, day wow. short. But you guys, uh, good. you drivers, you have that statistic in your head. All of you. No, they just told me that in the media well, center. But, afterwards, you know, but. <laughs> but Joey, you knew that it's been a while and you had gone through that valley. So that's what I'm saying. It's like this win yesterday meant more to you because of where oh, you've yeah. been. Mm-hmm. You know, everything, like you said, you had to learn how to lose. You had to learn how to have that, watch other people go contend for a playoff. And once you've gone through that experience, and we know that. Yeah. Yep. Then that next win, it means so much more. It, it really does. And, you know, God puts you through challenges like that to, to help you learn and grow as a person. And, uh, you know, as a person, I feel like I'm stronger than I've ever been mentally. Uh, even after going through that, uh, during the tough times, I still felt like I had what it takes. Felt like my team had what it takes. And uh, it takes a lot of work to do that, right? Because it's easy to think you're great when you are running well, but uh, you have to have that, that confidence. And, um, and like I said, we learned a lot from it, and we grew a lot as a team. So going back to restrictor plates, a lot of people, and I think uh, myself included, think that you know winning restrictor plates, winning at restrictor plates is a bit of a lottery. Pretty much every guy in the field, pretty much, can win that race. But when you win them with regularity, um, it sets you apart from from the from the underdog. I think that there are guys, in my opinion, that have an ability to always be consistently good at the plate tracks. You're a guy like that. You're a guy that wins at Talladega, wins at Daytona. You're consistently up front. What If you were to describe to someone what sets you apart from other drivers or what is your approach to restrictor plate racing, what would you tell them? Well, it's, a, it's a good question because I remember early in my career, I was that guy that thought, you know, hey, it's luck. You know, I went there the first time and I finished in the top five and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was <laughs> like, oh, it's just, just got to be lucky. And you start watching it, like you said, and you notice the same group of drivers that are up front, leading laps, winning races there. And I go, oh, they can't be that lucky. You know, yeah. they get lucky that often. Um, and then you start studying it and figuring out, you know, where the runs come from. You study your competitors. You notice, you know, you're up there leading every lap and what you do and, um, and trying to figure out what that is. Uh, and really, and like I said earlier, making mistakes. 
you know, you go out there and, and be aggressive, make the big moves. And when they don't work, well, you learn not to do that, you know. And if it works, you you have that for later. Um, that's always been my mentality um, over the last, you know, five, six years on, on speedways is just go for it, you know. And, you know, I, I have the attitude of running up front and being aggressive all the time. And if we crash, so be it. Yeah. Uh, it, that's that's part of it. That's kind of my attitude, at least. You know, we're either going to win or we're going to crash. And that's just what it is. I, I, you know, sometimes you can't control a, a lot of things that happen at super speedways, but a lot of it you can. You yeah. know, if you put yourself in a bad spot and you make a bad decision and you put yourself in the middle of the pack towards the end of the race and you crash, well, that's not bad luck. That's your fault. Yeah. You know, and I think you have to own up to that stuff uh, when you go to speedway racing. And the little details mean so much. But, you know, I think that along with the team side of it, you know, the Team Penske Fords very fast at Super Speedways the last few years. Um, so I'm fortunate to drive that. Uh, TJ is amazing. You taught him really well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I should have thanked Junior and Victor Lane is what I should have done. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned it, Victor Lane. You said, thanks, Dale, for retiring, right? Yes, I, I, yeah. I, did, I did thank you for retiring. So uh, I, I don't know if I gained fans by saying that, but right. <laughs> at least I, I got a great spotter out of that. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was a lot of fun to, uh, you know, over the off season to sit down with TJ. Uh, we watched some films together, and he came over, and we are watching the races and stuff, and yeah, he's telling me, you know, what you wanted to hear and, and that why you would make moves. And I tell him, you know, we we're watching races and I'm like, this is why I did this. And he's like, well, why would you do that? And I'm like, well, because of this and that. And, he, and he's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm trying to, you know, and vice versa. We we're kind of going back and right. forth. And it was cool to have somebody to sit down with that is open and that understands the draft. Like that really gets it, yeah. you know, and you're not trying to teach them. He's actually teaching me. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, to have that open conversation and then go down to Daytona. And, and there's going to be some learning curve, right? Because you got to understand exactly uh, that lingo and the little things that, that he says. And uh, that trust level builds up as you keep going uh, with each other. And then, uh, you know, as we get to, you know, back to Talladega. And, and Super Speedways was definitely the strength. Right? I mean, I, I think you, you'd probably agree with that. And not that he's bad everywhere else, but right. yeah. say Super Speedways is really, it's really good. And uh, he paints that picture of what's going on and where the runs are coming from. And he tells you that it's going to happen, not when it's happening. And that's, wow. that's okay. the difference. That is the difference. That was my next question, really, to get you to try to explain to the, the fans listening what TJ brings to the table. And I agree with you. Like, um, spotters have a basic responsibility to spot the race. But at the plate tracks, they can be a huge asset to the success that you're going to have that day. There's a lot more responsibility for those guys at Daytona and Talladega. And I always would tell TJ that, paint the picture. I use that exact phrase. That's funny. Paint the picture of what's happening behind me. And I can visualize it in my mind without looking. You you mentioned that he tells you what's about to happen, not what's happening. Yeah. And and he's very, you know, he's he's, I agree with you, he's very sharp and understanding about how the draft works so he can see things that are about to happen and give you that chance to react to it mm-hmm. uh, and so you react react on time and sometimes you get to these opportunities early yeah you know and you'll know i think you agree like one of the things that i tell young guys that ask me about plate racing is take every run that you get because that's how you learn you know exactly and if and i've done this myself even later in my career the runs i didn't take or the moves that i didn't make i've watched somebody else make them 
It's the worst, isn't it? It is and you're so like, frustrating. Ah, it could have been me in the yes. lead if I took that. I'm like, exactly. Oh, I thought about doing that, but I didn't, and now I'm pissed because this guy's done it. Yeah. And it's it's he who hesitates is lost, so right? Frustrating. It's so the oh, I know it. I know that feeling for sure. But yeah, he's definitely like you said. He does a great job, and uh, I don't know if you realize this. I've never heard someone yell clear so fast in my life, and you'll say it over and over again. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh yeah. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Give me an example. He's like, I can't even do it. But it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) And the best part is he'll do it like off a lap car or something like that. That's the best part. (laughs) Like a car you're passing really quick. The one thing that I pressure TJ the most on uh, as we got, you know, is I think the one thing that I would constantly remind him of is that when I'm passing a lap car or anybody really on and I'm on the bottom. I want him to like clear me as soon as possible because I can't open the throttle up. I can't use right. the gas if I'm if I'm you know running if I'm pinching the car on the exit and running low. And uh, I'll look up in the mirror and I know I'm clear and he hadn't cleared me yet. And I'm like, <laughs> clear me, damn it! I want to mash the gas. You know, <laughs> I can't. I want to use the gas and open the wheel up and all those things you want to do. Yeah, to yeah. get off the corner because I that's a half a car length or you know whatever. Right. And uh He's like, I'm not taking no chances. And I'm like, come on, man. Damn. You know, because he does take chances. He does. He has that, you know, ability to see things happening before they happen and, and, and give you that information. But then there's other times when he's really, he's like, hey, man, it's only 100 laps in the race. You know, it's Martinsville or whatever, you yeah. know. And I'm like, clear me. Clear me when I'm clear. <laughs> we, only got one, we only got one gear, man. Right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's go time. Yeah. That's, <laughs> All the time. <laughs> so put put me in the driver's seat there uh, with you in the last two laps, three laps. What's going on in your head with TJ in your ears? And then also, Dale, you were rehearsing with NBC. What were you seeing in, that fi- in, the, in the way that race ended? Joey, you go first. Yeah, you know, uh, for me, you know, as the leader, um, uh, it's amazing how much you can look in the rearview mirror and somehow figure out where you're going without ever looking ahead. It's it's kind of funny because you're kind of driving off wherever that car behind you goes is where you drive. If he drives straight up into the wall, you're going to follow him right into the wall from in front of him, uh, which is kind of funny. So you're staring at that car, kind of figuring out where those runs are coming from, listening to your spotter. That was the biggest thing. And um, TJ was talking about the 17 and the 9. They were lagging back the most. They were the ones trying to make the moves. And that's where we felt like the run was going to come from. Um, behind me, I had Kevin and Kurt, uh, which are two Ford, uh, you know, teammates, kind of. Um, you know, I felt like if those two team up, I was going to be kind of a sitting duck. So I had to be on my game there for when that move started to happen. And then you saw, you know, behind them, it got too wide. Uh, that's where the, the nine and the 17, they started, you know, breaking up and going side by side. And they shuffled Kevin out. Kurt was able to make the block. Uh, and then, you know, after that, there was no big runs coming on either side because they were side by side and, and Kurt was out by himself, but he couldn't back up to them because they were going to swallow him up and, and he wasn't going to even finish second if he did that. So after that, I felt like, okay, I'm in good shape. I just got to make one little block uh, off a of turn four. It wasn't going to be a big deal and, uh, and be able to win. But you know, th- those last 15 laps, you know, it's just a waiting game. You know, oh, you're, terrible. you're sitting here and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're like, oh, you need that intensity. Every lap ratchets up a little bit and you're like, okay. And you just, you got to stay focused at this incredible level. Uh, you know, as a driver, you have to just keep taking everything in. And, and it's a long time. It's 15 minutes pretty yeah. much that you're in there just with this ultra focus and, uh, and trying to take it all in and knowing that, they're only going to sit there for a little bit, you know, and you, and you kind of want to get into a rhythm where you just kind of fall in and keep making laps, but you know that move's coming at some point. Yeah. 
Mike, you were talking about how he led the last 17 laps. Well, there was a span of races, and uh, right around the when we got our last win at Talladega, where the leader hadn't been passed in the last 20 laps in the last five races, we were leading with 20 to go when we won in 2015. I was looking at that finish, thinking Joey was exactly where he wanted to be. Obviously, um, as that as as they had those last several accidents, it thinned the field out enough. It took so much energy out of the field, and there weren't enough cars really around Joey to create constant energy to uh, that he would continuously have to defend um, these runs. Now, there were runs coming, but but they were coming at such a a frequency that he was able to to anticipate them. His spotter was giving him all the information that any time a run was about to happen, TJ knew it before I think the drivers even knew it was happening. You know, and not a lot of guys were moving around that would create, I guess, uh, unintentionally create a run or or get somebody pushed in the right direction. Uh, a lot of the Fords were up front. A lot of people talking about how they were maybe working together or not not trying to make a run on Joey. They couldn't. There right? just wasn't enough cars in that front pack to create a run, to create enough energy. As you watch them run uh, those last several laps, they all had a half a car length to a car length between them. Nobody was getting enough energy to shove the other, to shove yeah. the other, to shove the other. And uh, It looked dysfunctional and certainly not harmonious. Well, the other <laughs> part of that, too, is Joey's in one of the best cars. And behind him is equally good equipment. The 41, super fast. I mean, these are the two guys that sit on the front row. Harvick. And Kurt Busch. So I mean, there's really, really fast cars. That even that makes it even harder for a small draft to create energy to get a run. So does that lack of energy is that because of the quantity of cars that were eliminated in that wreck, or is it the quality of cars? Because you lost Denny Hamlin, you lost several other people that had been leading uh, laps. Is that the, a lot of it? There weren't enough cars in that pack to constantly pressure Joey or constantly create runs. And then the ability of Joey's car and the guys, the, you know, the car directly behind him was that was they were towing. We watched them all day long. The Fords were when when the manufacturers split up in the first uh, first stage when they were pitting. The Fords were running by themselves, and the Chevys were running by themselves, and the Fords were six tenths faster than the Chevys. When Joey's leading the race, I mean, he's he's one of the best cars in the field, so he's pulling them around with an energy better than, you know, he's the, he's the best car to be leading the draft to make it the most difficult car to pass. And, you know, he's a great plate racer, great spotter, all that information right there, all that together, uh, those guys didn't have a chance. Does losing Kozlowski in that big wreck, does that concern you? Or being that he's a contender and also a very good plate racer, was that one less major contender that you had to deal with at the end? I don't think you ever want to see your teammates crash. No, I don't mean that one. I don't mean that one. You're like, you, uh, you're right, you're right. You know, I, I felt like, you know, at, at my initial reaction is like, oh, boy, I'm on my own. Yeah. But, and then the more I thought about it, you know, Kevin and I work really well together, um, which may be a surprise to a lot of people for the way our relationship I'm started. One. I'm one. But <laughs> we get along really well now, and, uh, and we work really well on speedways together, even – before he drove a Ford, we worked together a lot on super speedways for whatever reason. And it seems like uh, now that he drives a Ford as well, we've been able to continue uh, building that relationship, uh, not only on the track, but off the racetrack with, with some of the things we've been doing to try to help grow the sport and things like that. And I think that's uh, kind of helped uh, what we what you see yesterday. Um, you know, and I know 
you know, Kevin was behind me, and, and you can kind of tell when, when there's a car behind you. If, if they're not lagging back and making big runs, you know, like, they're kind of content where they were. Um, and I noticed that Kevin was, was content with running second at the moment. Uh, you know, <laughs> I knew it two to go, three to go. He's going to start thinking about it. The runs behind him are going to start building. He's going to want to, he's going to want to win the race. He's a yeah. racer, right? We all want to win. You know what I mean? There's just no way anyone's happy with just finishing second. But I think if you, he knows if you make that move too soon, you get shuffled out of that single file lane, you're going to the back and you make that move too soon. That's what happens. And he knows that. And he was content with where he was. He had his teammate behind him. I think he thought he was in a good spot to possibly win that race. Uh, with the right run um, that he had a teammate going with him. Once they got split up, that's when I felt like I'm in pretty good shape now. You're good. Yep. I find it fascinating watching the races, These, especially over the last couple of years. The manufacturers have really all uh, bonded together, and they make a lot of decisions uh, of how they're going to run the race together. This is something that we wouldn't see five, ten years ago. Can yeah. you describe as a driver, how do y'all all communicate? How does that communication begin? Is that something that's talked about during the week? Is that something that's talked about on the weekend? How do y'all? Yeah. How does a manufacturer all plan to work together at once? I mean, isn't it crazy? Obviously, yeah, it is crazy. We've never. This is something that's unprecedented. If you ask me, I don't think we've ever seen it in the sport up until the last couple of years. Yeah, and you know what started it really? I think is watching the Toyota guys in the Daytona 500 in 2015, maybe. Right. I don't know what year it was. Yep. Um, but they were so committed and selfless to each other. And they just kept running laps off, and no one could pass them. They just kept kept it on the bottom, and it was like, man, this sucks. We can't, we can't pass them. We didn't have the teamwork good enough to, to figure out how to mount a battle really on them and, and how to beat them. Um, and at that point, the whole game was changed. At that point, is how do you – we all said, how do we beat the Toyotas, right? And Ford has more cars than Toyota is basically what it kind of comes down to. Our cars are fast, yes. But we have all the Stuart Haas cars. We have the Roush Fenway cars. You have the front row cars that run well at super speedways as well. Uh, you know, Penske cars, obviously. Um, that if we all can work together, they're not going to be able to beat us. Yeah. You know, and I think we all, that, that light bulb went off. Like, yeah. okay, <laughs> we can do that. But it's hard. You know how it is. Like, as a race car driver, you're very selfish. Oh, yeah. When you put that helmet on, you change as a person. Uh, you know, you can be a, a nice guy sitting here on the couch, and you know, when you put a helmet on, you kind of become a, a little bit of a jerk, and and I'm guilty of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll be the first to admit You've that. You've had a few altercations. So, time but to time. it's yeah. a it's a competitive atmosphere, and you can't be the same person as you are when you're not in a competitive atmosphere. My opinion, but in a super speedway race, the only way today that you win is you have to still have that selfless attitude that you have when your helmet's off. Uh, you have to be able to work together, and you got to know sometimes. You're going to have to help somebody else win the race, and you're not going to get to win. And that really sucks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But it comes back around full circle. Eventually, it comes back around. You know, and you just hope that you're the guy that's in the lead of, the, of that Ford pack, you know, and, and you're able to, to be able to, to mount the charge. Because we all had to work together to control that race. And there is a certain point that we all say, okay, we can race now. But we have to work together to make sure one of us wins and protect ourselves as well from being in the big one. You know, so somehow we have to all work together through the pitch strategy, but even a little bit after that, uh, to make sure that a Ford wins. And I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know, at Net NASCAR is built on manufacturers' battles, right? And and building cars and all that stuff. And yeah, it's a little different now. Um, you know, they were not taking cars from the showroom and putting them on the racetrack. 
like your family did. But, you know, I think at least now, you know, it's kind of cool to see that, you know, if you're a Ford fan or a Chevy fan or a Toyota fan, you see your cars all working together, you know, yeah. and that's it's kind of neat to see. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think it has some positives because the, the manufacturer debate and war between either Ford and Chevy or what have you is always good and healthy for the sport, and it creates a little bit of that. It's so funny, though, man. You guys go into quality or practice even with the intent to only work together. It doesn't always happen that way as practice goes, but the teams – That part's see, no fun. Right. That, the crew chiefs are like the fun police. Right. <laughs> I, I, when all, it comes to practice, they're like, well, we don't want to get in a crash in practice. We're just going to go out with our cars. And I'm like, Right. Every, all the Chevys go run together. All <laughs> yeah. the Toyotas go run together. And, you know, it's such a – it as a driver is really frustrating because yes. you just want to draft. You just yeah, want to learn wanna, what your car can do. Exactly. And sometimes you don't even get in the big enough pack to really get a sense of how stable your car is, and because of the, the fact that you you know nobody everybody refuses to draft together. But and that's, yet we still have one rollover this week. Yeah, <laughs> in practice. In practice. Scary. Scary. Crazy. Yeah. You talked about in Victory Lane this this weekend how it was really emotional to be there with your family, and yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, can, I'm going to be a father here any moment. How has becoming a father changed you? It uh, It's changed me in a lot of different ways. Inside the race car, nothing. You know, I think the way I prepare and all that, I've had to kind of find a new flow for me and my new schedule and understand, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, kind of change your life and, and make sure you're there for your family because that's your priority as it should be. But then how do you make sure you don't suffer on the racetrack and how do you, you know, your job doesn't suffer from that. And that's a hard balance. I've had a hard time trying to balance that. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't, but, um, we're starting to figure that out. He's Hudson's been a hard baby <laughs> from what I hear, like from what other people say, he's been really hard. The first month I'd go to sleep at seven 30 and then I'd wake up at two 30 and we'd switch. And then Brittany would go to sleep and then wake up at seven 30. And that's shifts. We had to do the, the shifts like this. This kid would not sleep. And cry nonstop. Oh, man. Um, so uh, we, we've kind of he's, – he's gotten better, which has helped. And we've kind of figured out how to, um, you know, be able to both do, you know, our thing and be able to, uh, you know, be there for him, and um, which has been really awesome and so much fun. Like just the little things, you know, I put a little tire swing up for him. It, well, it's not a tire swing. It'll be a tire swing eventually, but it has a little baby chair <laughs> <in it. laughs> and, and, wow. and a tree. And, and it's <laughs> – and just seeing him swinging it and all, it's like a proud dad moment. Like that yeah. stuff's like his little things. He rolled over for the first time this weekend in Talladega, which I thought was kind of ironic because a lot of people <laughs> roll over there. He won the other one, right? And I was like, that's pretty cool. You saw and, Jamie uh, do it. Yeah, exactly. So he tried to copy Jamie. Um, and, and like those things, if someone told me that your, your baby rolled over, I'd, before I had a kid, I'd say, so. Right. Yeah. Like oh, big yeah. freaking deal. Boring. Dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like when it's your kid, you're like, yeah. <laughs> like it was like a win you know that was yeah. the biggest thing so you know pulling into victory lane and obviously you, know, you see your team first you see everybody and you get out and you're yelling screaming you're excited and you do your interview and then i turned around and and saw Brittany and hudson over there and uh that that brought some tears in my eyes like, yeah. and it's just a cool feeling i i didn't i know he's never going to remember it but we're going to have one hell of a picture that will help him remember that someday yeah. when he's older and i don't know i just think that stuff is uh your perception of what fun is and what's really cool changes when you have a kid. You it's know, priorities, man. That's all it is. Is you change your priorities when you have a kid. It's you, a game you really do. It, yeah. it, it's it's hard. It's harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but it's really it's worth it. It's fulfilling. 
Yeah, and even like I got a baby, you know, you think like he can't do much, you know, like like I said, he can roll over now. Like before, he couldn't hold his head up, you know. Like he's a little like at first, he can't even focus his eyes, you know. He's all cross-eyed and everything. <laughs> like is, this, is he okay, Doc? You know. <laughs> but uh, you know those little things that are so cool, and I can't wait for him to get you know older. And I don't want to wish away time because it's awesome now. But when he gets older and he can walk and like talk oh, and yeah. do little things, you know, you get him his little first set of power wheels or something and you see him drive around with yeah. a bike or something you know what i mean it's gonna be really cool you're gonna start taking his lap times on the big wheel yeah that kind of thing, trying to see how <laughs> set fast up cones i don't see know if, if i can teach it. him how to play baseball <laughs> yeah. i struggle at, at that yeah golf i'm, I'm awful at, at that stuff but i'll try to help him along with whatever he wants to well, do I mean, like people ask dale you know like are you gonna get your daughter into racing and dale's answer is always like i don't I'm not putting that on her at all. I, like he doesn't even have any interest. What about you? Where are you at with Hudson? Whatever you he think, wants to do. Do you think is 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 ra- what if he wants to race? Cool. If he wants to race, be- cool. Yeah, we'll we'll go race. We'll have yeah. fun. If he wants to, whatever. Play, I, I think playing sports is important. Yeah. You know, I, I think I that that teaches kids a lot. I think that's important. But uh, you know, I, I, if he wants to, when he grows up, he wants to be a doctor. Or he wants to throw garbage cans. Wh- whatever. You know, whatever you do, my thing is, whatever you do, be the best in the world at it. Yeah. You know, and as long as you have a good work work ethic these days, you don't even have to be super smart. As long as you are willing to outwork the guy next to you, you're going to be successful, uh, you know, these days. So I think that's one of the main qualities I want to try to teach him is that, you know, there's, there's no, uh, you know, freebies and, and you got to work for things. And um, and that's hard with our lifestyle. Let, let's be honest. You know, we... we I don't live a normal life. You know, I drive race cars. <laughs> like, your dad's a race car driver. Like, that doesn't even seem right. So <laughs> yeah. trying to raise him as a normal kid is going to be a, a challenge for us. But, um, you know, we're up for it. And, uh, you know, we'll do the best we, we possibly can to, to raise a, a good little boy. I wonder if Hudson becomes a racer. I, lo- I can't wait to see what Joey Logano, the dad, it's <laughs> like it at the racetrack, especially if, if have you seen my dad? Well, <laughs> well yeah, I've, I'm actually, a lot I, like that guy. Actually, not so much not here so lately. Much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that they it? took his hard card. I don't know what happened. <laughs> they took his hard card. Huh? Well, that was a long time ago. Yeah. He's got it now. He's got it back. They got it He's back. Got, but yeah, he but he, is he is he purposely stepping back uh, and trying to give you your space? Yeah, oh, I mean, a little bit, you know. Um, yeah, he's, no, he's still, I think he's learned that when there's certain times to, to be involved in that. And I, I get it now as a as a father yeah. at the time. You know, I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? Like, I'll fight my own fight, you know yeah. what I mean? But, like, as a father, you're like, ain't no one going to mess with my boy. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, that, uh-uh, you know, and that's, and that's, and I, I, I get that now. You yeah. don't get that when you're. When you're in the heat of the battle right. and you don't have a kid and all that, and <laughs> right? Time, now you might, so maybe, maybe Joe, but I am like that. I mean, I'm the same way. I'm, my dad and I are wired pretty close to the same that we'll, uh, you know, we we'll get fired up. We're emotional people, you know. I I, I ride the highs and and you know, there's, there's the lows too that you battle through, and I, it's enjoyable for me to be like that. Um, it's naturally who I am, so um, we're a lot alike in that way. So uh, I, I learned a lot. I think then hopefully that helps me like as he gets older and stuff like that that you you know kind of i think it's really hard but i think to to try to um you know let him uh kind of learn things the hard way sometimes and i think that's probably the most challenging thing is when you see your kid probably doing the wrong thing and you kind of got to let it happen for them to learn so hard i I don't know what that's like yet but i can i'm sure that's probably one of the hardest things well you know you don't want to see your kid you know in pain you don't want to yeah, see yeah. your people being mean. I mean, like, like all those things. And yet, that's 
a learning experience. It's a growing experience. I, I, I can relate to that as a parent now. You can now as yeah, a parent. I Dale's about to. It's like, listen, but but that's those are learning moments, right? And I think that's what's so interesting. Mistakes uh, are opportunities. And, and, and speaking of which, I mean, like, okay, so you've had a few driver feuds, you know, however you want to <laughs> just, call just them. Just a couple. Had a few over the years. And, you know what's funny is when you, like, Go into YouTube and you punch in my name. Yeah, the that fight, was... the fights come up first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey man, that's kind of cool though. Yeah, yeah. I know. You got nineteen, but there's no like good fights. You know, they're like just kind of shoving matches and just no like. Still really got time, man. Go at it, you know. <laughs> of, of all those, which of those do you regret? Do you have any that you wish you could just do over because you're like that? That was not a good look, or maybe you were wrong in it. What? Give me one. There's a few regrets. Probably um, the comments I made about. Kevin Harvick and his wife um, was not the right play. Um, taking it to the personal level, that was uh, immature from my, <laughs> my side of it. Uh, but regret? No. I, I don't regret anything because I learned from them. Mm. I will say, was it the wrong move? Yes, there there was plenty of times I've made the wrong move. Plenty of times. But I learned from it. And if I didn't make those wrong moves, I may not have learned from it. So um, it's, it's different growing up in the limelight and you know what it's like yeah. i mean you, you grew up in the limelight your whole life and you know it, for me not as much as you even but you know you, you you get thrown into situations that you know i was just a you know 18 19 year old kid that i don't really know what the right thing to do is yeah. at the time and and you do what you think is right but you, at the time you, you know you, you're 18 19 you think you know everything you don't know jack but you think you do <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and a lot of times you make the wrong decisions because of that, but it's part of growing up and, and people are going to judge you off of, you know, your, your, what you do on the racetrack and your, and your character and, and, and what you do in the heat of the moment, what you do as a kid. And that sticks with you forever. Um, but it, oh, well, you know yeah, what I mean? Like it, only a certain amount of people really know who you are, you know, and as long as those people that, that you keep closest to you, uh, understand that and you kind of shut down the the people that want to form their opinions off of the competitive Joey, which is different, but mm. I, I get that. Yeah, I was um, I was pretty wild when I was uh, right after Dad passed away. I was I didn't have any parental guidance, and I was just it was kind of dangerous because I could make all my decisions and whatever I wanted to do on the track or off the track or about any confrontation I was going through was really left up to me, and I didn't always choose the right choose the way to handle it wisely but once my mom moved to North Carolina she um she had retired her husband retired and they moved to North Carolina and she would text me after every race it rang a bell in my head that my mom was always watching and so anytime <laughs> from that moment on any interview I did or any you know anything I got myself into where you know I was upset at another guy I was always thinking like what would I do what what Let's not do something that's going to either upset her or embarrass her or piss her off. <laughs> Even though she was usually, on, I mean, always most often on my side in the whole deal. But um, that is fascinating. That's a, really? That, that, it, it, yeah, that's a fascinating. I, I never knew about that, that switch that flipped when for you when she started texting. Here. She, when she, I wouldn't never, she would never text me after the races really. And then when she moved here, we got tight, you know, and because I was only seeing her like once or twice a year before that. And when she moved here, she was going over there and, Seeing her all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And she would text me at the races, and I'm like, oh, man, I better straighten up. <laughs> so. yeah, I think that's something cool about Junior, though. Like, I remember the first time I met you, 
And, and I think this is why one of the reasons why you have so many fans is that you're just a normal guy. You know what I mean? You can say things like that, and it's yeah. just it's just who you are, right? And <laughs> the first time I met you, you, you stuck your hand and goes, "Hey, I'm Dale Jr." And I thought, <laughs> no kidding, huh? Right? <laughs> like I've never seen you on TV before. You know? <laughs> <laughs> on every freaking commercial, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Where was you know, that? Do you remember? Do you remember I, specifically I, I where? I think I was in Atlanta. Okay. I was in, actually, I think I was in Atlanta. I was walking around. I get snuck into the garage. I was a little guy. And uh, Donnie Allison was taking me around. Yeah. And uh, oh, that happens to every kid in America. I know it was, it was super Allison cool. Shows him well, I was running the Heck Allison yeah. Legacy That's car, right. so ah, I got to know yeah. him that way. And uh, and he and he snuck me into the garage because he knows everybody. <laughs> and you know, he's peeking in during practice, and you know, he's shaking guys' hands. I thought it was the coolest yeah. thing in the oh. world, and and it was cool. But you know, Dale's just like a I don't know. He's just a normal dude. You know, he's he's. Just, <laughs> he's Larger than life, right? I mean, he's the most popular driver for the last hundred years, but uh, not, not that wasn't an old joke that came out wrong. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, well, ten or twenty. Sorry, whatever. One of the first old joke. Sorry, <laughs> that was great. That came out as a total old man joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he was the most popular it just dinosaur like you've ever. The trophy. Yeah. Since I've been in the sport, you've yeah. gotten the trophy, yeah. right? Who's gonna win that this year? I was gonna ask you. I mean, you're you're down there in the muck and right amongst all the guys. Who's gonna get it? Ah. <sighs> I'm telling you, um, you're really asking me. <laughs> Chase is obviously a good choice, but I yeah. think he's going to have more competition than he thinks. I, do too. I think Blaney's going to give him a run for his money. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. Think that you know, I think Blaney, Blaney. If it was, if I wasn't there last year, I think Blaney would have won it. So really? I don't, you know, and it, and it was tight and it was close, and I don't know what might have happened if the you know if the tides shifted a little bit since then, but um, Blaney's definitely in the top three. He's got a funny personality. Yeah, he's he's dry. He's super dry. Like he he, he'll say funny things, and you don't even. We were uh, a couple of weeks ago in in Richmond. Uh, we're we're sitting in the drivers' meeting, and they have the screen up, and they're doing interviews as drivers come in, and they start interviewing Blaney. And, and Rowdy Burns was there, like from That's Case right. of Thunder, yeah. and he's uh and he's doing an interview with them uh with I don't know whoever person was there. And uh, it's talking about how he met Rowdy and how there's a Days of Thunder 2 coming out. And it's, uh, you know, funded by Fox Pictures, this and that. And he kept going on with this whole thing. And I'm sitting there like, wow, that's awesome. Days of Thunder 2, that's a great idea. <laughs> and so he sits down next to me. We're teammates. So he sits next to me. I'm like, dude, I didn't know Days of Thunder 2 was coming out. And he goes, oh, no, I made all that up. <laughs> oh, he no. did a whole interview for like over 30 seconds talking about oh, this. That's great. Don't just care. BS just, and making yeah, it yeah. up. <laughs> On the fly. It's yeah. pretty awesome. He's got a hell of a personality. Yeah. Yeah, but he'll do the things that <laughs> I've seen you do. You know, some of the off, you know, things like like when he went and had lunch with a fan, you know, and I've seen you mm. take a step out from the norm of a driver, which is to do your appearances and to, to, to uh, fulfill your obligations as a driver in competition to do something bold, to go over and put yourself in a position to gain fans. And right now, in our, the climate of our sport, that's incredibly important. Uh, it is. I, I think showing your personality is important. And it, but being who you are, right? Yeah. I mean, don't be fake. Yeah. Right. You know, you, 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 Genuine. you can see some people try to be larger than forced. life or try to make some. It looks forced. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It looks, and it doesn't. People can see that. People yeah. can see right through that. And I think that's a challenge that I have is that some people don't think it's authentic because the difference between me sitting here and when I put a helmet on is pretty extreme. You know, <laughs> I, I go from, I, I think, I think I'm an okay guy, you know, for the most part, <laughs> I, I don't want to say that myself because it sounds kind of <laughs> arrogant, but when I put a helmet on, I become quite a 
a jackass. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it's it, but it's part of it. My, my crew chief says the blood circulation gets cut off. Cut off, yeah. I think that, I'd say that'd be an accurate part of assessment. It. Yeah, you're it, a great guy, and and in, in 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 the race car, it you know you're a completely different person. I think that was hard for me at times to realize there was a difference. You know. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of drivers, a lot of reasons why you find yourself maybe or found yourself in some altercations early in your career because a lot of drivers didn't understand that difference. Right. You know, and people took you the wrong way. But And, I, and coming in, too, I was I was kind of shy. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, you walk into a situation, you're 19 years old, and you're like, well, oh, yeah. I mean, Jeff you're, Gordon, ter- you're Jr., terribly young. You know, you're like, all, most of the guys. Scared that, to say hello. All the guys <laughs> that come in at that age are, are, are going to be that way. It's yeah. such a big world you're it walking is. into. And yeah. it's so yeah, I was. And you know, nobody <laughs> blew my mind earlier in this conversation when you said that you went to Penske at 21. I mean, it just seems like you were 25, 26 years old when that shift happened, but you were still incredibly yeah. young, and inc- you know, incredibly. I mean, you had a lot of laps, but as far as life experiences, you had, you know, you're still relatively inexperienced in in life yeah in that going through that I whole still process screw up a lot of things every day but yeah <laughs> at least you're maturing new ones at least you're new screw ups you are <laughs> in you're around maturing at a rate much faster than i did so <laughs> hold your head high <laughs> yeah. well, that's good. thank you <laughs> he's right yeah, yeah. I, he's right he's right <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I mean, like, I hate to even think about what would happen if his mom had not showed up. Apparently, right. because oh, man. Oh, no. if she's still in Virginia, I don't know what we got here. Trouble. Right now, mama ain't happy. Ain't nobody happy. <laughs> yeah, that's the gist of that story. <laughs> so, as a driver, though, do you feel like you're? I'm talking about Joey Logano in the car. Yeah. Are you more liked or disliked? Probably disliked. Even today. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I, I think it depends on the time and the moment, right? I think if there's depending on what the, the job is at the time, right? And there's times that you can't afford to let somebody go. And you got to be I always say, a kidney stone, basically. You got to be hard to pass. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> there's there's times you got to be a kidney stone, and there's times you got to think of the big picture. Yeah. And I think it depends on the type of racetrack. You know, Texas is a place that you know if you let someone go, how are you going to pass them back? You know, there's a, there's a, it's so hard to pass there, you know, but maybe a place like Richmond is a place, okay, in the early in the run, you know, you're going to have a 50, 60 lap run. You can let someone go and save your tires and then you get back to them and they'll let you go back. And I think that's just kind of the way the sports is right now. Um, and there's times that, you know, I, I realize it, you know, I'm, I'm holding someone up and I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they give you the bird or they give you the what the heck out the window. And I, I think it's you're a, like, yeah, yeah, I can't disagree with you, but it's what I have to do. Yeah. Or I think I have to do at least. No, I think that, uh, you know, you're consistent. And that's all that you can ask from somebody. Um, Ryan Newman was one of the hardest guys to pass in our sport for so long. And it's almost a badge of honor for him now. <laughs> and, and, and it got to a point, it, it used to be where guys hated it. And now it's got to the point where you know it, you know what's coming, and it's okay. You know, mm-hmm. uh, nobody. I don't think any, the other drivers look at it as an annoying thing anymore because they know what's coming. He's consistent. Yeah. He's always you know that's him. That's who he is, and and it's ingrained in his personality. I think you as a person to the fans is uh, you're well liked, whether intentionally or unintentionally or accidentally. The the issue you had with Kenseth was a difficult time for you and him. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that that you know those when you when when a driver gets into something that's so big and gets blown up to be something that's so huge, um, it's hard not to come out of that with a few scars, you know. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to sort of rebuild that reputation. But I think you're well on your way to, you know, sort of undoing any damage that might that might have done in some people's eyes. I think people are going to always remember you as a good guy, great guy out of the car, a, a really aggressive, tough competitor that fought for every spot. And that, in turn, in the end, that's going to be something people respect. Mm-hmm. And the way the way people respect Ryan for the way he, he fights for every position, um, I think people mm-hmm. respect that. I, I appreciate you coming by. Absolutely. Thank you. I know that you, you know, we don't have a whole lot of guests on here. This is like a you know third, third guest or so. Third one we've had. You just won. Oh this, really, yeah. man? I'm like, but they either P3, have just come baby. off of a win or about to win. Thing. We literally <laughs> asked you to do this in the last ten, twelve hours. We appreciate it. We know you got a busy week coming off a win, and uh, giving us your you know giving us your time means a lot to us. So thank you. And I picked you to win the five hundred. Didn't happen. You did come through at Talladega. <laughs> I'm going to pick you to win all the plate races. There we go. <laughs> with you and TJ teamed up. I don't know how you know, how people can't pick you guys to win, but uh, good luck going for the rest of the year. This has got you in the playoffs. You don't have to worry about that. Thank you. You can sort of enjoy <laughs> just racing cars. That's yep. a great thing about getting a win early in the season. You oh, get to man. race. Oh, yeah. So good. So have fun with that, man. Rack some points up. Get some wins. We'll see you, we'll see you next time you, you get a checker. We'll have you back. All right. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Yes, it's a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Thanks, pal. We'll see you guys. Let's hit an Exalta Race Center update. This is the Exalta Race Center update. I'm Natalie Sather. Both Cup and Xfinity competed at Talladega Super Speedway over the weekend. On Sunday, Joy Logano won the Geico 500, making it his first Cup race win of the season. Kyle Busch still maintains the points lead. On Saturday, Spencer Gallagher bested the field and won the Sparks Energy 300 in overtime, claiming his first series victory. Junior Motorsports drivers Justin Allgaier finished third, Elliot Sadler fifth, Tyler Reddick eighth, and Michael Annette 14th. Junior Motorsports late models were off this weekend. We want to send a huge congratulations to late model driver Josh Berry, who was married over the weekend. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, visit exaltacs.com. All right, guys, we got a Did You See That this week. We do? Yeah. Did you see that? Did you see that? David Aker's rant on the Cowboys in the draft. You know I, you know I appreciated that. Oh yeah, being I a mean, Redskins fan, even though it's coming from David Aker's Philadelphia Eagle, I really enjoyed how he he just went at him. I mean, he kind of went like old school wrestler, like a la like Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, up up at the draft, Dallas, and just went on a rant about them being champions. And the last time that the Dallas Cowboys were in that position and, and won. The people that were being drafted weren't even born, <laughs> and the fans went nuts. Wow. So the thing about that is David Akers I, – I know David. Okay. See, David Akers was a sim racer, used to race online with me and TJ and all our friends. We used to get on TeamSpeak, which is a voice program, so uh-huh. you, we could talk together while we're in those little races. So we spent a lot of time online becoming friends with David Akers while he was in the middle of his career. And – David uh, actually came to a few races, hung out in the bus with us. That's Dover. Cool. Always at Dover. Dover. I remember that. Yeah, yep. he'd come to Dover. So good. he's a good friend. Haven't been in touch with him since his retirement. 
You know, I don't know what he's got going on now. He doesn't sim race anymore. Our paths do not cross physically anymore, but we, I consider him a good friend. I know at one point in his football career, he quit social media because, or he, he cut way back on his social media because of the negativity, you know, about when he would, if he missed a kick. Oh, yeah. You know, he was, he was like, you know, this ain't for me. I think that, I think that his, his uh, rant on the Cowboys was <laughs> sort of a release for him. All that negative negativity on all, you know, from all those people about a kick missed or, or something like that in his career, I think he was just unleashing it. That was his moment to sort of give it back. And uh, he chose one heck of a moment. He certainly gave it back, man. Have you ever seen anything like that? I haven't. I mean, it takes guts. Mm-hmm. But he had the microphone, man. He was on stage, and he had a microphone. And he definitely uh, he made a lot of Philadelphia Fig- Eagles fans happy. And, I mean, anybody that doesn't like the Cowboys, which there's as many haters of the Cowboys as there are fans of the Cowboys. That's for sure. I don't, you, know. you either love them or hate them. Right. So a lot of people appreciated that. Good job, David Akers. <laughs> All right, let's go into Ask Junior. It's time for Ask Junior. I got a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. All right, first question here. Uh, Mitz Prophet said, can you explain how the wind apparently messed up Jimmy Johnson and, and caused that big one? I get the wind and it all, he said. But was it just getting loose? Okay, so we know the cars were unstable. You got to think about, you know, the cars just being on edge at any given time without the wind. All right, yeah. they're uncomfortable. In that particular situation, I think Jimmy was loose. But as the 24 car moves up the track, all right, just just think for a minute about that. The 24 car traveling through the air mm-hmm. at 195, 200 miles an hour. The air that hits the nose of that car and starts to wrap around the fenders is really highly compressed air. It's You can almost cut it with a knife. It's The air hitting and wrapping around the nose of that car becomes so dense that there's a it creates a pressure, sort of a, a big a big invisible you know force field of pressure. And as that car gets close to Jimmy, who also has that sort of air wrapping, that dense air wrapping around the car and down the side of the car, when those two, it's like invisible bodies you know, like the cars almost collided, but it's really the air going around both cars sort of colliding. And that pressure coming off of both cars, that air, that dense air coming around each car so fast, really that air coming together. We've seen it before where guys have gotten close to other guys in the corners, maybe at Texas or Atlanta. They don't touch, but one of them gets spun out, right? They, there's no contact. But a guy goes around. It's really because of that dense air coming around the front of the, the the front nose and the fender of the car that come up the racetrack, that 24 car. So he comes up the track. That air pushes that air coming off the 24 car so fast around that nose, around that right front fender pushes Jimmy's car around a little bit. It's all it takes. The car's already on edge. You know, it just takes just a little bit more to push that car beyond traction. Be, you know, before uh, Jimmy's in trouble. The 24 car coming up the track is, you know, he's almost, you know, he's changing the air coming around Jimmy's car, and he's also bringing very hard condensed air that's going around the right front of his car up into Jimmy's car, and it just shoves Jimmy around. So also, you know, I don't know what the wind direction was as far as was the wind direction. In and down, I know, looking at the flags that they cut to right after that. So kind of down into three and four from, from four into three. So it could have played a role. So all right, so at that particular point, Jimmy has an extra amount of front arrow 
or front nose downforce if he's hitting if he's driving head on into the if he's got right. a headwind he's also having a little bit of pin, you know the air pinning the nose of his car which could make it a little bit looser at that particular moment if the air is blowing in the driver's door of your car in the corner it makes you tight if you have air blowing in the passenger door of your corner of your car in the corner it makes you a little looser i mean there's depending on the the air and how you know where you're hitting that air there's so many things happening right there that can make your car spin out. I spun out off a of turn two at Talladega a couple of years ago. Just got tires. Car is completely comfortable. Never saw in you know. Never had a hint of the car being uncomfortable. But I moved into the wrong position, and I caught air hard on the right front fender of my car. I was following another car that was blocking the air from hitting the left front fender. So I had air pinning the right front fender real hard, and it made that right front car made the right front of my car turn down the racetrack and spin me right out. You can't see it coming. You, you you don't, there's not situations, you're, you don't know enough information to go, I can't get in that situation, I'm going to spin out. Jimmy never knew that was probably going to happen until it's too late. And you can see in a particular viewpoint when they they have a camera angle that sort of is looking at the back of Jimmy's car. Even before the 24 car gets there, Jimmy's car is starting to get a little too yawed out. Mm. So I mean, he's already in a yawdish, you know, a very strong yaw. Just one more little yeah. domino is all that was needed to spin him out, and that was the 24 coming up, and that air coming around that nose of that 24 car pushing Jimmy's car around. Wow, what a lesson right there! That's a very, That's good very good, very good detail. All right, uh, a question that I don't know if we want details on. Eric Yoder, personal question here. Don't know if you've ever heard this mentioned on the old Mike and Mike show on ESPN, but they had a big conversation about it. Apparently, during the birth, do you plan on being below or above the equator? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Me, I, I, I wanted to be a northerner, and I had to be a southerner. What about you? Um. Uh, <laughs> oh man, is there a way to plead the fifth on this, or plead the fifth? Yeah. Oh, yeah, plead the fifth, and we just move on. This is Holly North thing. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Holly North it. <laughs> Holly North it. <laughs> Perfect North. answer. Holly North. All right. All right. Uh, that kid, Steve. What would NASCAR? do if a team took off their restrictor plate and ran one lap during practice and i remember this happened once at daytona while you were uh you know in your driving career and what happened uh, i it? believe it was bill elliott and testing i don't know if it was a mistake but they took uh, the plate off there was no plate there and he ran out there and ran a lap of 200 something miles per hour and everybody went nuts in the media center running out there and there was obviously a mistake uh, what do you think nascar would do these days oh yeah i think nascar would probably do I think NASCAR would probably do something to the team as a reprimand that would on, that would be veil it would it would be a veil, it would be a smokescreen because you know they would have to look it would have to appear as if you know, Mike goes out there and does that and I'm NASCAR I'm gonna look everybody I'm gonna smack him in the hand now don't yeah. do that again <laughs> but the publicity that, that would get oh, yeah. would be so positive for NASCAR that they would obviously you know, they would probably be like happy with that. Yeah. Just you know, whatever commotion that stirred up would just get more eyeballs on NASCAR and NASCAR would be like secretly going, Yeah, that's pretty that's good. But at the same time they don't want everybody going out there to do it. So yeah. gonna slap you in the hand now. Everybody yep. see this? Everybody watch this. Watch this. <laughs> Boy, don't you do that again. <laughs> Conduct unbecoming of the sport of racing. Twelve dash one, baby. Twelve dash one. Um, yeah. Chad wants to know what's your favorite quote from your dad? Oh, my God, I'm glad you asked this. So I get 
on my Twitter timeline, people send me Dale Earnhardt quotes all the time. That's got to be kind of odd. And it's rant, they're not answering to a tweet. Uh-huh. They're not. They just they just tweet me. I don't know what it is, but it's some it's stuff like it ain't the fastest car that wins. It's the one who refuses to lose. It's shit like that, and I don't remember him ever saying that. It's sometimes those those quotes come in, and they're I'm like, that's not bad. That was like Jeff Gordon and his team, or you know. I'm, I'm like, God, where did right. we get this? One? I have a dream. Dale yeah. Earnhardt. <laughs> right. I mean, Four scores and seven years ago. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. I so I get quotes all the time, and some of them I have to scratch my head and wonder, like that's definitely not a Dale Earnhardt quote. A lot of times, you know, those quotes are broad. Those quotes are advertised somewhere as a Dale Earnhardt quote uh, incorrectly, you know, by a media outlet or something like that. And people just assume, okay, well, it came from media or it was on Twitter. I saw so it on true. Twitter, so it's true. And so I start getting them. But my favorite one is probably where he's talking about uh, when drivers were complaining about the speeds being too high <laughs> at Talladega and they were going to bring in the restrictor plates for the first time. He said that all the drivers needed kerosene rags to tie around their ankles so that the ants wouldn't crawl up their legs and eat their candy asses. <laughs> that and is the best. That I know was a true, that was, yeah. genuine quote. I don't know. I mean, I probably walk out of here five minutes later and think of another one that's my favorite of mine. But for the most part, I mean, that's one, like, that's a true one that I hear a lot that I can go, yeah, that was definitely something Dad said. And definitely, um, sound, it's perfectly who he was. All right, last question. Uh, Wes, with all that we've learned for, uh, from concussions recently, there's a growing number of people that say contact sports such as football, hockey, et cetera, will cease to exist in the future. With all you've learned from your experience with concussions, do you agree? I don't agree. I don't think that football and, and other sports like that will uh, will eventually die and go away. I, I just don't. I mean, there's too much there's too much money to be made. The fandom of the sports will always maintain its popularity and success. Maybe there won't be as many people trying to play football. Maybe there'll be more parents that won't allow their kids to play football. So um, the pool may be smaller. Now, not next year, but like 20, 30 years from now, the pool of players could be smaller. But I think we'll still have the NFL forever. And I think that I'll be a fan of the NFL forever, even though I've suffered concussions and I know they're dangerous doesn't mean I don't think that people should quit playing football. Yeah. I just think that there's it's a it's a personal choice. Like I I have had issues, I've had issues in the past and I chose to continue to raise, you know, and I I am I'm armed with knowledge and understanding of how uh try to prevent myself from getting into those situations as best I can, but it's my choice to keep racing. And um I think people should have that decision whether they want to play football or not, you know, and not you know, hopefully, the only way I think it could go away is if it become controlled, you know, by an outside source, such as the government or so, you know, so, and I don't think that'll ever happen. Good question. Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. White flag. Big unveil of a new project you're working on that we've been, been kind of keeping as a secret lately, but uh, a book called Racing to the Finish, My Story by Dale Earnhardt Jr. with help from Ryan McGee. That is now available for pre-order. Dale, do you want to talk about that at all, uh, your book? Yeah, yeah. So uh, speaking of concussions, we're going to talk about 
I'm writing a book with Ryan McGee, and it's going to detail my experiences with concussions from 2012 all the way up to 2016. There's a lot of information that there's two. I mean, the, basically 80% of the book is going to be stuff people have never heard before. Mm-hmm. We we were transparent, but not completely transparent about everything we dealt with and everything we had to go through from the issue, from the crashes and the concussions themselves to the rehabilitation. Um, you're going to get my point of view and perspective, Amy's, anyone else's who was involved. And we're going to talk about how we made the decision to come back and race going after going through everything. You're going to, you're going to realize the process and decision-making that we went through to, to come back and finish our final season. And then this will also help you understand how we made the decision to eventually retire and quit racing full-time cup. So, uh, I think it'll be a educational book for a lot of our fans it'll be helpful to folks that may be going through the same situation or maybe have a family member or someone they know a friend that's went through concussions it can help explain a lot of the things a lot of decisions these people may be making going forward or it may help them going through that process Um, but anyways either way it's going to be a great book that i think anybody can enjoy i have wanted to tell this story but i couldn't and while I was trying to go through the rehab, and then when I was trying to finish my final season, I could not tell this story. And now I can, and I'm ready ready for that to get out there. I get asked all the time, why'd you quit? You know, why you quit racing? Well, this is going to answer all those questions. That's powerful right there, boys, I'm telling you. Because I know my man took exquisite notes throughout the process. I lived some, you know, a good bit of it with him. And so if this book even, uh, you know, goes into... of what I know his journey being, it is going to be one heck of a book. I think people are going to find it very entertaining. And pre-orders are now available, so you can go to DellJr.com forward slash book to pre-order. It comes out in October, and it like got all the way up to number seven on Amazon's new. That's and, impressive. Uh, yeah, right, after, right out of the gate, and it was sort of a soft launch, and we unveiled the cover. So uh, a lot of people, I think, are going to be interested in it, and they're already showing that. Uh, look, we get questions on when are we going to be live. Well, the Dale Jr. Download will be live at Junior Motorsports Fan Day on May 25th, so Mark that on your calendars, Friday, May 25th. That's during the Charlotte Race Week. Uh, And we also will have door bumper clear out there. We did this for the first time last year. We had a stage out front of Junior Motorsports, and it was a lot of fun. And so we'll do that again. And so uh, come check us out, May 25th. You heard us talking a lot about the Dell Jr. uh, car giveaway, WendellJr.com. One thing we don't really mention, this is on me, is that there's a limited number of tickets. So, like, you know, when they're gone, they're gone. The other thing I fail to mention is the fact that there's other prizes, actually. If you don't win the car, that's the grand prize. But there's also some really cool uh, uh, race uh, experience packages, pit crew, really? honorary pit crew member, um, all these things that you can be in the running for just with the same $25 raffle ticket. So go that's to cool. WendellJuniorsRide.com. Uh, the car the car is a 2018 Corvette Coupe Z06, and uh, a lot of good stuff there. WendellJuniorsRide.com, $25 raffle ticket will get you in the running. Follow Dirty Mo Media's YouTube channel. It's a new thing we started this year, uh, so you can. It's just one of our social media platforms. Also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And that's it because you know why? I looked at Dale Jr.'s calendar, and this is so fun for me. I've never seen this. I've worked for him since 2004, and I've always had access to his calendar. It literally says this week he's got a basketball game tonight and he's got a haircut on Wednesday. <laughs> and that's it. That is all he's got. What uh, is that like? I have no idea, but I'm real, real excited. Amy keeps asking me uh, all morning, damn, I wish I was in as good a mood as you are. And I said, well, I ain't never had a whole cal- <laughs> I ain't never had a whole month with nothing on the calendars in 20 years. So 
I'm pretty excited. I got some projects around the house I'm going to do that uh, that are going to be a lot of fun. I'll probably uh, document some of that stuff on my social media. And um, speaking of social media, let's close out with this. There was a post on uh, on Twitter today with uh, a little boy running slow mo. Okay. All right. This little t- this little uh, like five year old kid running slow motion to to home plate. Right. He's playing t ball or something with his friends. And the dad comes on. He's about halfway to home plate. He's taking forever. Right. He's running in slow motion. <laughs> and his dad comes over there. He's like, Hey, man, come on. And he's like, Get off me. <laughs> and he goes back into slow motion. And I went grocery shopping with Amy the other day, and we're hustling, trying to get everything. I'm like, man, I'll go shopping with you. She's pregnant. I'll go help her. We're going in there. We're, we're Let's get this. Let's get this. Let's get this. Let's get this. All the way, 80% through the whole experience, we get to the ice cream aisle. And I was like, man, things have changed. You know, I ain't been in the grocery store in a while. You always try, you know, what they got? What's the new stuff? Where's them cream sickles at? <laughs> and I, I was like, that boy. Is me when I hit the ice cream aisle <laughs> when I go shopping with my wife. Yeah. Well, that's so, what I put down on social media. Well, though, well, hold on a second. Did you, what'd you get? Well, I said me. I said, I said my my response to that kid running slow mo was grocery shopping with the wife and hit the ice cream section. Yeah. Well, everybody's like, "Boy, you gonna get in trouble for that?" Mm. And I'm like, "No, not this ain't my wife." Right. Going in a slow-mo. This is me going in a slow-mo. Yeah. I don't know how people got that mixed up. Well, I tell you what. I mean, they. I think that there's some people were equating the whole ice cream mix-up from, from oh, a month yes, ago. Oh, yes, I forgot. Because I you, got you. And, and All right. without having to read, because nobody gets, gets into the uh, meat of a long tweet, or they certainly don't read the sub-tweet. They just know that you had been in the doghouse once, and it had ice cream to do with the ice cream. Well, listen, I would never I – I don't know any gr- smart man that would ever ever clown his wife on social media. <laughs> I was talking about me when right. I hit the ice cream section. I go in the slow mode. Uh, his All reputation right. is restored now. Uh, thank you. I had, to, I, had to, I had to get that out of the way. Good. Have a good day, everybody. See ya. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media.